Hello and welcome to the Guardian Protection Podcast with me, financial journalist John Lappin. We're currently running a mini-series of podcasts looking at Guardian's Halo service. In our first podcast, we talked to Guardian's Head of Claims, Phil Deacon, to get an overview of the service. And today we're really pleased to be talking to Christine Husbands, Managing Director at Red Arc. Hello, Christine. Hello. Hello, everybody. And, you know, thanks so much for inviting me to tell you a lot more about Red Arc and the Halo service. For those who don't know, Christine, and perhaps for a little bit of a refresh for those who do, can you describe Red Arc services and the breadth of support offered? Yes, of course. So Red Arc really uh, provides a massive range of support to people with a wide variety of health conditions. So we provide what we call a long-term personal support from exactly the same registered nurse long-term for any significant physical or mental health condition. So that could be anything from critical illness conditions like cancer, stroke, cardiac, chronic conditions such as maybe MS, ME, and also things like long COVID, mental health conditions, uh, people who have been through trauma, people in bereavement, and for any age of people. So it can be from very young children, obviously supporting through their parents or responsible adults, of course, right through to elderly issues, and into bereavement. So right across the life stage, any life stages really. So wide range of conditions, wide range of people. So basically anybody with a significant health concern. Can you tell me the sort of support that you give to people in a little more detail, please, Christine? Yeah, sure. I mean, it really, really varies, as I say. Um, and the support is tailored complete to the needs of each individual. Everybody is different. Um, so it's a highly personalised service and it, it addresses all the needs holistically. So we're addressing the physical needs if they've got a physical health condition, as well as the emotional impacts of serious illness, which I'm sure everybody can appreciate are often very significant. And those needs often change over time. Uh, words of coping change over time. What's going on in the illness change over time. At some point, people might be right. I feel on top. I know what's happening. I feel quite in control of what's going to happen. And then they get a setback or something doesn't go quite to plan or they start to feel very emotionally low, particularly when they're feeling really, really unwell. And I also have the view that uh, or, or use the phrase every um, every serious illness, every serious situation has ripple effects. So the illness doesn't happen in a vacuum, as we all think of our own family circumstances. If something serious happens to one member of the family, there are consequences for everybody else, impacts and work consequences and often financial consequences. So this is ripple effects and those ripple effects can be many and varied. So we help people with a wide range of things, but typically it's coping strategies, how to cope, how to find your way through, how to be resilient as much as possibly can be through that. Helping people with questions about their treatment. What's going to happen? Will I lose my hair? What other options are there? Can we talk through the options that are being given in a relaxed fashion? How to access help? What's available to an individual? Unless we've been touched with serious ill health, we probably don't know what's available. And I use this daft phrase, but I'll still use it. You don't know what you don't know. And so often people say to us, gosh, I wish I'd known that three months ago. I wish I was speaking to you that three months ago when I first got my diagnosis. If only I'd known that. The nurses know this and they know what's available and they know what people can ask for and how to get it. People are often really concerned about their family, how their children are coping, but not just children, their partners, their parents, etc. And they're often really worried about the rest of the family. And again, the list goes on. And we also then support people by providing uh, appropriate counselling, therapy or services from a well-matched external provider. 
but really the nurse is there to hold people's hands figuratively, virtually, through whatever they're going through and be their trusted confidant, their expert friend, uh, to help them through really, really difficult times. Could you give us a, a couple of examples of where and how Red Arc has helped individuals and families so we can better understand how the service works in practice? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's much easier to kind of understand in, in kind of a story context. And, and these are two or three examples that I'll tell you about are, are anonymised. They are stories based on real patients, but gender and things have been changed. So it's it's not always obvious in details. Mm-hmm. So um, one is about a lady who was terminally ill. Uh, she had secondary breast cancer and she was married with two young children. So mm-hmm. uh, obviously a really sad situation. And so she had uh, frequent phone calls from her Red Art nurse who gave her lots of emotional support and guidance. One of the things she really appreciated about having that support was she could actually cry without upsetting her family and friends. And that sounds really awful, but so mm-hmm. often that we see time and time again, people p- try to protect those that are nearest and dearest to them. And they don't have any outlet for what they want to discuss. And the other thing this lady really wanted to discuss was how worried and afraid she was about her forthcoming death, which seems a terrible thing to contemplate, but people have to do it. Mm. And so often families don't want to hear that and don't want to discuss it. And she was really worried about it. She wanted to talk about it. She wanted to understand it. And so the nurse was able to help her because that's the help she wanted and give her that help. Uh, through their professional expertise, but empathically and, um, you know, compassionately. And the nurse was able to give lots of reassurance and information. She could help, the nurse could help uh, her to, how to talk to her family and friends about things, about her illness and give her information and booklets and leaflets that we could send her to help as well. Uh, we signposted the family to Winston's Wish that many of her have a fabulous charity, which main, deals mainly in child bereavement. But knowing that this lady was terminally ill, it was appropriate to uh, signpost them to their services to support the children towards bereavement and then be continuity beyond, beyond the mum's uh, unfortunate death. Um, one of the things that we often suggest and Winston's Wish do as well is that, 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 that they look to generate a memory box for each child that helps to put uh, special things in to remember mum with going forward uh, and then on the practical side things how to cope with the side effects of the treatment clearly she's a young mum and she wanted to look after her children as best as she could while she could so it's how to help her cope with the side effects nutritional advice as to what could help her keep herself as well as possible and function as well as possible advice and coping with everyday life even simple tips like saying well could you ask somebody else to help you don't be too shy to ask we actually, uh, in, in such a case like this, will probably also be signposted into Liga Care, one of the other Halo services, to make sure that she had all of the right financial uh, and legal advice she needed. A course of complementary therapy for this lady, I think it was Reiki that we provided, but it could be anything. And then, um, because it was a terminally ill case, we then supported the husband um, through, you know, in bereavement. And it was a great comfort to her to know that we'd be there for her husband too when she passed away. Quite a long example, but I think it really illustrates the, the, the depth and length of support that we, we can provide in, in and often what are obviously tragic circumstances. So uh, another one that I was looking at recently was a lady, she was a nurse. She was seriously ill with COVID and it's the first wave and she was ventilated and was in an, in an induced coma. Fortunately, she survived and she came out of intensive care, which in, in its own right was a trauma for her, but also she was left with neurological problems which were affecting her mobility. So clearly as a nurse, that was a big issue for her. 
at a job that she really loved and she was advised it's likely to be permanent. So it was a very distressing situation, both having survived intensive care and being traumatised by her prognosis. Uh, she really was struggling with feelings of survivor guilt, which some of you have heard of. She had mm. teenagers and were really struggling to cope with what had happened to mum uh, and the change in mum uh, and what could have happened. So the nurse support uh, with this lady was really around helping her cope with the fatigue that she also had, with um, information on equipment, managing fatigue, working with her and helping her to explore the feelings of survivor guilt, helping uh, support her to help her children cope, which again is a massive toll on the individual who's ill, not just you've got yourself to deal with, but your family who you care deeply about, of course. Nutrition advice, again, post-ventilation, difficulty swallowing, uh, so we helped her with nutrition, relaxation advice and help with her sleep, helping to prepare for meetings with occupational health, which, you know, obviously in the NHS was very good, but we helped her to think it through and what might work for her. Specialist therapy, talking therapy to help with the guilt feelings and the trauma feelings with her. That, that support continues for quite some time uh, as it does in a long-term situation. Have things changed with the pandemic in terms of the demand for different kinds of help and assistance? I think yes and no. I think no, because we're already giving a lot of support to very vulnerable people. But the yes is vulnerable people have become a lot more vulnerable during the pandemic. Um, they had a lot more worries, very anxious, isolated. And I think even for, for many, that isolation still continues. People, even though they're not told anymore they have to shield, they're still very, very nervous and anxious. People have become very lonely. So wanting more support, more guidance, very anxious about everything. NHS non-urgent services, as we know, had to be severely affected and it's no criticism at all. They did a fantastic job and still do. But many people were affected by delays. Um, so people were coping more with pain management, coping mechanisms, not being able to get routine tests and what have you. So again, they weren't getting the help they wanted. So we did a lot of work um, helping people find alternative routes other than the NHS so that we're privately funded and privately sourced therapies where appropriate. And we actually saw, we measured the amount of input to our patients towards the end of 2020 and early 21. The actual amount of support the nurses were giving increased by about 20%. So it showed that the patients needed more support than they had otherwise. I'm interested in hearing how you work with Guardian and indeed with advisors when a claim is made. How does it all fit together? So with Guardian, whenever a claim is made, Guardian will send us over the details of the claimant with their consent, of course, if they don't want the service, then that's fine, but providing their consent, which the majority do, they send us over their contact details. We then select the most appropriate nurse for that individual based on the information we have. And that nurse then makes an outbound call to the customer. Now that's really important that that referral is made to us because so many people, if they're just given the telephone number or website address or whatever, kind of put off or, oh, I don't think so, whatever. But if they receive a call from a nurse who is very friendly, just says, I'm a nurse, I'm ringing on behalf of a guardian, and I'm just going to see how you are. People just say, wow. Even if they're expecting the call, a nurse ringing them to ask how they are and just has time to listen. It just is just, you know, amazing to most people. So the service goes on from there. So that first conversation, um, the nurses will 
listen, ask, you know, what's going on for the individual, ask very sensitive questions only in as much as they want to know it so they can work out how they can help them. The nurse has no agenda. It's the patient's agenda. So what would they like help with? That's the outcome. How can we help you? Uh, the nurse listens, gets a good idea of what's going on, suggests things that might be able to help. And it may be at the end of the first call, they may have a number of things they can offer there and then, or they may say, well, look, you've seen the consultant in a fortnight. I'll ring you after that and see how you go on. In the meantime, if you want to ring me, I'm going to send you an email with my direct down details and my email address. If you want to ring me back and anything occurs to you that want to ask or anything, please do. But otherwise, I'll give you in a couple of weeks. And basically just goes on like that. Just every call, how are you doing? How, how are things? What happened at the consultant's appointment? Anything you want to discuss, anything you didn't understand? Just really reacting and being there for that person uh, in terms of what they need. Those conversations are confidential between the nurse and the customer. So advisors, guardian, don't know the content of those conversations. They are there to help the individual during those times. Guardian will be aware they've referred the individual, but that's as much as they'll know. Advisors may well be told by their customer what's going on, but, but really it's just personal to the individual. And then we'll signpost to other Halo services where appropriate. So legal care and chrysalis, of course. Our role is to try and make sure that people get all the help they need from whatever source whether it's internal sources from Guardian or whether it's through the NHS or charities and just helping them hold everything together as seamlessly and effectively as possible for people. So when we describe this as bespoke, it does sound like you are delivering on that. It is tailored to the individual. Yes, absolutely. That's really what we feel is one of the things that's really unique about us. So yes, we can provide tailor-made services such as counselling and therapies that we've discussed uh, and with particular requirements but the important part is the nurse support is bespoke to the individual the nurse provides his or her support which is directly tailored to the needs of that individual their circumstances their concerns their way of coping and as we know there are so many differences between people so we are very much not a one-size-fits-all service our service is actually responding to the needs of that individual. And what feedback have you had? We get lots of feedback. Um, as you can imagine, people are a, generally delighted when a nurse rings them to ask how they are. And then the help and support and guidance that the nurse can bring through their professional expertise and, and the ongoing training that we provide means that you know, people are just completely amazed by all of the information we can give them and the guidance and support we can give them. So during the course of the conversations with the nurse, individuals often say some really lovely things and we do have a separate area of our system where we log those so we can share them with Guardian and other clients that we have. And they're also sending thank you cards and emails and lots of other things like that. But we also run a survey every year and we ask people how they found the service. Clearly, we do it as a, as a way to gather feedback if there are any areas we um, could improve. The aggregate score of that survey for the last four years that people have said they found it, 99% of them said it was good or excellent. And that's been for the last five, four years. And we also, last year in 2021, introduced uh, the measures for net promoter score. And we were delighted with the result of 85%. So I understand it, anything over 80% is considered world-class, so we're absolutely thrilled. 
And we also get masses and masses of comments in that survey, which again, we share with the scheme sponsors such as Guardian. I'd just like to share with you um, a quote that I came across recently. Uh, and this lady said, when I took out insurance, I never imagined I would need this service. To say it has been a lifesaver is beyond words. And that for me says it all. Thank you, Christine, for talking to us about Red Art today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening and please keep a lookout for the next podcast in our Halo mini series.